Hello there. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode one of the Sam I Am podcast with me, Sam White. That's right. Yes, here we are. Um, this is the beginning of my new project, my new venture into the unknown, I guess. I am both very nervous, but also very excited for the challenge ahead. I officially launched the podcast on my social media uh, the other night and it seemed to go down very well. So for those of you that liked, commented, shared, spread the word, sent me a supportive message, thank you so much. You know who you are. I really appreciate it. So yeah, this is my my first podcast. I've never done a podcast before. And I hope to release this on a weekly basis starting today. And it's going to feature a wide range of guests covering a wide range of topics. So hopefully there'll be something for everyone on this podcast. Some weeks you might listen, some weeks you might not. But if you are listening, I really do appreciate it. So why a podcast? It's a very good question. Why do you need another podcast in your life? Why do I need another podcast in my life? Well, I I personally love podcasts. It's a medium I've become very fond of, very obsessed with. Uh, and I consume hours upon hours of different shows on a weekly basis. And I've gotten to the point where I want to give it a try myself. I've always had an underlying passion for journalism and media. I've done a couple of things. Uh, For example, I have my own blog. I've written articles for different publications. But I've never explored the medium of audio and actually speaking. Um, So it's something I've wanted to try for a long time now. And I have the tools, um, the means and the the environment necessary to, to give it a go. I have no massive expectations for the show. I'm doing it because I think it's something I'll really enjoy, something I'll get a lot out of. And my only my only goals really would be to make sure I, I release this on a consistent basis. As I said, once a week is the aim uh, because of other things I've done in the past, like the blog, which was under the same name. And I guess the podcast is a continuation of the blog where I'm reflecting on life experiences, talking about stuff I'm passionate about with other people this time. I want to make sure that I... I keep the ball rolling and, and yeah, maintain that consistency. The only thing I would ask of people, if you are listening, if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow the podcast. There's a wee follow button on the page that you can click. And similarly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe. There's a subscribe button. And if you're feeling very generous, you can leave a rating. Every little helps. That's... Apart from that, I wouldn't ask too much of anyone. So yeah, follow on Spotify and subscribe, rate and review on Apple Music. And that way, you'll never miss an episode. The episodes will go straight into your library um, every week and you won't have to go searching for it. It's probably worth my while explaining where I'm broadcasting from. So I'm originally from Ireland, if you hadn't clocked already. And I am currently based in France, 
in the south of France in the Provence region, about 30 kilometers from the Mediterranean coast. So very, very beautiful part of the world. I'm in a small town that you've probably never heard of called Draguignan. And I'm, I am here because I've been working in a couple of schools in the town as an English language assistant. So I've been living and working here since the end of September. And it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. I'm very lucky that I've been able to do it during all this. And I've also been improving my French. I did French right through school and in university. And it's something I've always wanted to get better and better at. And slowly but surely I'm getting there. By the time this goes out, uh, I want to try and release episodes every Wednesday if possible. And just so happens that this Wednesday happens to be my birthday. I'm turning 24. I'm not afraid to state my age. Youth is just about still on my side. But yeah, it's my birthday. The podcast is going out. And also France are slowly emerging out of the the the, pre, the recent lockdown. And on the same day as my birthday and the podcast goes out, uh, hospitality is beginning to open up. So pubs and restaurants are allowed to serve customers outdoors, which is very exciting. I haven't been in a pub or restaurant since the end of October, so it's been a long time. Also, the vaccine program is really ramping up here and they've made it available to more people. People have, from the age of 18 up can now get a vaccine in France without any underlying health conditions so long as there's, there's, there's space for appointments. And I managed to get the first dose of Pfizer for those that are wondering uh, on Sunday. So I could realistically be fully vaccinated by mid-June, which I never thought would be possible uh, so quickly, So which is, which is great. So there's a lot to celebrate. And I guess the day this goes out will also relate to uh, my guests on the show today. So they are just finishing up college. In fact, they just submitted their final year project. So congrats to them and all their classmates. Uh, they are two great lads, one of which is my younger brother, Ollie, and his partner in crime, Jamie Duff. Uh, the two of them have become quite a dynamic duo, and in the short Short time they've known each other, they've done a lot together, whether that's travel, they've gone into business together, and more recently, they've become very well known for being the two fellas that basically pranked the whole of Ireland, and even further afield, where they convinced the masses that they had come into contact with a certain Swiss tennis player. So I hope you enjoyed the chat that I had with the lads, it was great. I was quite nervous doing this, um, even though I'm talking to my younger brother. Um, but yeah, they really carry the chat. And with this podcast, it's hopefully just going to improve by with each episode. So that's enough for me. I've rambled, I've rambled on enough. That's what happens on podcasts. Plenty of tangents to come. But I'm going to hand over to the lads. So please welcome... First guests on the Sam I Am podcast, Ollie White and Jamie Duff. We started by talking about college, and you'll hear Jamie first explain what the lads have been doing the past few years. So take it away, boys. 
myself and Ollie were studying multimedia in DCU and a lot of modules in multimedia are kind of computer programming, video editing, uh, photography, graphic design, that sort of thing. So at the end of the day, this kind of field of work doesn't really need a degree. It's more so your skill and what you've done mm. and the portfolio you actually build. And mm. that's what employers are going to look yeah. at. They're not going to look, oh, you have a degree. I'm going to hire you. They're going to look at the work you've done before. Yeah, we always yeah. talk about our course because we actually do really enjoy it. But it's one of those courses that all the stuff you learn, you could just learn it all on YouTube. But mm. over the last while, we've kind of been reflecting and saying, going to university in itself is like a brilliant experience and yeah. being able to meet loads of people is that's why you do it it's not really just for the education mm-hmm. so we're actually well i'm definitely glad that i've done this course and gone to university yeah it's so much more than a degree that's all i always say you come out you come out of college with so much more than just a, a piece of paper i guess at the end of it all um and i guess this this will probably go out I think what you said the deadline's the May the eighteenth. Yeah, eighteenth. So it'll literally be the day. Yeah, so by the time this goes out, you'll probably be be finished. You'll be finished college by the time mm-hmm. this goes out. It'll be um, free. Yeah. Yeah. And like you guys have had a, a, a an interesting uh, college experience where the first half was as normal as it gets, and then the second half has been during this whole pandemic three-year course for those that don't know which, which flies by in normal times but, yeah, it's um, actually weird that it literally probably was like nearly half half of the yeah. course on the mm. dot that it was kind of pandemic style mm. we were fortunate enough to um get that one and a half year of kind of to experience college life like all even living on campus mm-hmm. i'd say he got the majority of it um and we we got to go to events and there was so much on the first year and it's kind of we're very fortunate because first year is coming in now has to do everything like they have to do everything online and they haven't even met their their course yet all their their future friends should we say in their course and they have to meet them over zoom which is horrible yeah for me like first year is probably the most important year so that's why i'm just grateful that i got that i mean second and third is obviously you're gonna still go out loads and have fun but first year i'm glad we got that anyway yeah and uh yeah you guys don't have exams or anything so i'd say it like just to warn you it's probably i didn't have exams in final year and when i finished it was initially just really anticlimactic <laughs> because there's still people doing exams and finishing up with other things so i was kind of sitting around waiting for other people and i don't know whether you guys will be able to sell will you be able to celebrate properly or um, uh, in small groups we'll or... probably be able to just like meet meet in like small groups outside yeah. but we'll probably mm-hmm. just meet for drinks and stuff but that still in itself will be nice yeah I think so I think summer could be like last summer where um, well hopefully there, where there is light at the end of the tunnel and uh, it's not like last year where summer was relaxed and then we go back into into lockdowns again moving on slightly moving on from that kind of a segue uh would be how you guys would have met and i obviously you would have met in college um but what uh did you guys just meet in class with ever, like you would have met everyone else and what kind of first impressions would you have had of each other do you remember um to be honest it wasn't a distinct like memory of like 
Ollie walks in the room, <laughs> a door flies open. I'm like, oh my God, my best friend. <laughs> like, I mean, at the very beginning of college, it was like any other person got mm-hmm. chatting a little bit. But I think the distinct moment where I was like, all right, me and Ollie are really good friends is, I mean, he, he invited me to go to Vietnam with him for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And we were friends before that, but we weren't like, the greatest of friends we weren't doing stuff together all the time or hanging around with each other often not really to, at all to be honest yeah like, not at all like I, I had told all these stories stories of me kind of doing mad stuff like sneaking into longitude going on adventures like exploring abandoned yeah, yeah. castles and stuff in Ireland and I think that's one of the reasons why Ollie invited me to go on the trip mm. with him yeah um, I, my first memory of him I don't even know if we've talked about this there was one it would have been the first few weeks of our course there was one day where we all, a few of us ended up in the student's union building and I was just I was sitting with, it was Naomi and Niall and we were sitting on like a chair and you were there and you had like your, you had your khaki green New York Yankees hat on and you had your ripped Adidas tracksuit bottoms on. <laughs> That's my first memory of you because I remember ta- talking to Naomi that day. Like um, I was getting on well with her and Niall because yeah. I was, I always explain this to people Jamie and most people in my course, they all commute. So they would all live near Dublin and drive in or get the bus in. Whereas me, being from the countryside, I had to live up in DCU on campus. So I was up in I was up in Dublin two or three weeks before college even started. And I was hanging out with people that I was living with, uh, lads that I knew from school. And I was kind of formulating this group of friends outside of my course already. And I was going out on nights out. Whereas with Jamie and Marta and everyone else in, in our course, the first taste they were getting of university was coming in for induction week and meeting the people in our course. So at the start, I was kind of, I had these like two lives. I had my life five minutes away in my in my house in student accommodation with all these new people I was meeting. And then I had the people I was meeting in my course. And uh, it was kind of, I think I was in a frame of mind where I, I had met loads of people. I wasn't really fussed about like making like loads of effort with uh, my course people because I had already met loads of people. Whereas for them, I assume it would have been like, "These are the people I met now. Let let me try and fuck, let me try and get some friends out of this." Mm-hmm. So it was only until one of our friends, Niall, who were doing a final year project with, we were doing a we were doing a seminar. In I think it was photography. It was like a hands-on one. And Niall saw I kind of knew what I was doing with a camera. And I just started talking to him. And he kind of dragged me into the group. Because the group had already yeah. kind of formed. And then I kind of got in. And in terms of mine and Jamie's friendship, as he said, Vietnam was the big turning point. But we went on a trip away to Galway in January of first year. Which was kind of... We got to know each other yeah. better then. But it was kind of... I just felt like he was the right person to go with and he I, when he said yes I was like that from that point when you said yes to going to mm. Vietnam then we were like well we kind of have to be good friends <laughs> now. so because yeah, yeah. we went to electric picnic just before yeah. Vietnam yeah I went to Jamie's house and we like hung out and but it's weird to think like yeah, it's it, actually crazy yeah it wasn't like friends best friends straight away that's how I would have I would have met you Jamie just at electric picnic just before you left for Vietnam and I'd I was like, I'd never, like, I didn't know much about you, but uh, 
from the from straight away I, I i could tell you're a really nice guy and the, yeah it's funny the way the fact that ollie you would have asked him without being that close to him but you would have seen enough in him to at all at all he was a good well, person. Fu- you can tell the funny the funny part of the, the asking process you were like mm-hmm. third choice Oh yeah, so all right, so it may sound all kind of oh, best friends. He asked me to go Vietnam. I was I was Plan C. I wasn't Plan A or B. I was Plan C. I was option number three. So he had asked two two guys. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It was. I think in college I was always I was never in like groups with you. Yeah, because in our in our seminars and our lectures, I was W. My last name. He was yeah. D. So we'd always be in different groups different oh, yeah, uh, timetables and from that there was two lads that I would always end up doing group assignments with Niall and Mark and whatever it was I just asked them neither of them could go and then then I asked Jamie but I'm glad I did you're looking everything happens for a reason yeah man that's fate <laughs> that's just fate I think you guys are obviously great friends now and you've been traveling together and and then and then since then over the last year or so you've 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 worked together on a number of things whether it's in college or the business ventures or projects and i guess would the first thing would have been cup tree was that the first thing you kind of did together yeah as i said there we were never in assignment groups together because uh, mm-hmm. of our names being far apart in the alphabet but i think when we when we were over in vietnam we were always talking about just loads of things when you're when you're traveling it always like mm. it just broadens your horizons and makes you uh just have like creative ideas and stuff and it inspires I, you to do more mm. in a way to yeah. have these creative thoughts I, I remember sitting in it was that pizza restaurant in do you remember we were lying in hammocks oh in, yeah oh yeah is that Huyan or something yeah and we were just having this conversation i think we both have watched youtube loads growing mm. up so we were having, we were just brainstorming loads of stuff, because I was filming a good bit over in Vietnam just to have his memories, and whatever that was, it might have sparked a thing. We we wanted to like start a, a thing like Zach and Jay or something, mm. just like we were thinking of all these stupid uh, ideas, like more like pranks and silly, silly ideas. But we, <laughs> we were thinking of all sorts. What uh, was that one about? Because. We we I wrote them all down in my phone yeah. in my notes like a list of YouTube video ideas, <laughs> like a full a long list. Like me and Ollie were talking for I'd say a good hour or yeah. so just coming up with ideas. Jamie fell. Uh, we were in a we were in a, like a, an amusement park. Jamie was messing around. And he fell and cut his he cut his <laughs> he cut his knee, and it was actually quite a bad deep cut. It oh got, yeah, like, it got like infected. Got infected yeah, it's really bad. But uh, whatever it was, wherever we were we were like thinking of stupid ideas and one of the ideas was imagine you you feel you uh got a, like a really bad cut and you stayed in the same position for like three months and you videoed the cut like healing it a time lapse oh. <laughs> we were just trying to think of these like viral yeah, videos. yeah. we were like that would definitely go viral but anyway all of, all of these ideas <laughs> led to this idea we we're like oh we could start our own business mm-hmm. and me and ollie well i hadn't started any business before then not really. Myself, I did really. a little bit of dropshipping. Oh, I did. Yeah. I did a bit of dropshipping and stuff. Actually, yeah, no, that's a lie. I I did a bit of dropshipping. Yeah, I had my little West Ocean Media thing, so I, yeah, I would have like thought I was a businessman when I was in like fifth year in TY. Yeah, true. But we both kind of had that interest. So yeah, myself and Ollie had both 
kind of dabbled in in entrepreneurship i suppose thought we were great businessmen and we came up with the idea we we wanted to sell a product and we're like well we should sell a product that makes people feel like they're doing a bit more than just buying a product so we're like well what if we put some of our profit and donate it to a charity or something like this so we came up with a reusable cup that when you buy it percentage of the profits go towards planting trees and we had actually emailed and got partnership with this organization called one tree planted and for every dollar you donate to them they plant one tree in an area of your choice so i think the reusable cups and planting a tree going hand in hand because you're saving um like cardboard being used or paper being used for cups and also donating to this organization yeah and so uh, it was and it also coincided with like the forest fires in australia yeah yeah Yeah. so it was kind of very relevant at the time so yeah we we kind of we went with it and we found a supplier and we did all that jamie made a brilliant logo and we focused a lot of time on the instagram made like and jamie made a shopify and it was we we tried to make it as professional Mm -hmm. as possible and then we just we wanted to do online orders, but we also wanted to just try and grow the brand quickly. So we would we got in contact with local cafes and coffee shops, and they they liked the idea. Obviously, um, they like charity is good. Mm. Reusable cups are good for their business, and they they will be making a profit as well. So we we got a few, we I think we got them in like. We had we, we we bought a hundred cups and then we sold them like yeah. quite quickly. I think we had about six locations for the cups. Six coffee shops or cafes actually took the cups in, mm. and they're making about a two euro, I'd say, mm. on every cup they sold. Mm. And myself and Ollie were making about five, I think, per cup. It wasn't that much. To be honest. Four or five, yeah. yeah. Like they were expensive cups. But we the we, we wanted the we wanted to grow the business by getting most of our online orders, but yeah. Uh, mm. It was actually going really well. We sold 100 cups quite quickly. People liked the idea. And actually, it was it was going really well. Um, we even had a meeting with, uh, it was the marketing director the, of Tifco Hotels. It was like the procurement oh, yeah. manager of Tifco Hotels. Somebody of Tifco Hotels. His name was Tom Coleman. And shout out Tom. Shout out, shout out Tom if you're listening. <laughs> shout out to you. Let's get the ball rolling again. Yeah. But anyway, myself and Ollie had our first proper, it was a proper meeting. Yeah, like was. we had it in the lobby of, um, Crown Plaza in um, the what's is it, that is it like an airport hotel it's in Santry it? yeah it's in Santry it's in the oh what's it called the industrial not the industrial estate I don't know where it is but uh, it, just, uh, just outside of Ballymun yeah, uh, yeah. it's like yeah it's the airport hotel yeah. uh, nice Plaza. hotel very nice really hotel. lovely hotel we met him there for a coffee and we had a little presentation made and the idea was he was going to buy I think it was about 200 cups from us he liked he loved the idea he straight away idea, yeah. really nice guy and we were just, he liked us as well. And he, like, Tifco have hotels all over Ireland and each one has, like, a little coffee shop in it. So he was, like, love the product. Uh, we'll let you know what what we'd like to do. Mm. There was a, some sort of, I forget what it was, but I think it was, like, 200 cups or something. Yeah. Straight away, we were going to put their logo on it as well. Yeah, so it'd have Cuptree yeah. logo and uh, Tifco Hotel yeah. or whatever. Because Tifco Hotel is like a hotel group, yeah. which includes like the Hard Rock Hotel that's opening yeah. or has opened. Yeah. Uh, Crown Plaza, 
and loads of them. So we would have had the logo of the hotel and cup tree. So that was a really big moment for us because we had been putting quite a lot of time into it alongside our college work. And Jamie would always pick me up for my accommodation and we would go and go to coffee shops and, you know, work reasonably hard on it. And that was a really good boost for us. But that was probably in like late February, late February, early March. And we all know what happened then with mm. the with the pandemic. It kind of all actually during the meeting, COVID was just kicking off. Yeah, uh, I think the first cases had were like about around Ireland, and it was kicking off in Italy. And during the meeting, just before the meeting, we got there early, and we went up to the coffee shop in the hotel, and we were like, "Can we get two coffees in our cup tree mugs?" And the lady was like, oh, I can't accept mugs because of, the, of uh, COVID, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. Don't know if you've heard of it. It's this uh, it's this virus that's going around. So we were like, oh, she said, I can put them in these cups for you and then yeah. you can transfer them in. <laughs> so we were like, oh, no. Yeah, we were like, oh, no. But then we got, we got a coffee and we poured it into our cup and we were like, pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. But, and we didn't really, we didn't say that to Tom, but that was like the first time we were like, oh, no, this is like... <laughs> we might have a problem here yeah because i was using i was using my like i got one of your cups and i was using it all the time working uh and at home and then for some reason with the pandemic the people might not be using them as much um i'm not sure what's like yeah, now, it was the germs it was like the germs it was the germs thing. coffee shops actually went loud yeah. take in the reusable cups they had to give you worked in, you work in the helix yeah i worked it? in the cafe in the helix mm. and we weren't allowed to take reusable cups and that was the same with the rest of the world mm. so our our business plan had ultimately failed there and then yeah it was, <laughs> it was a bit of a kick in the teeth because yeah. it was a to be fair we could have probably because there is a use for reusable cups not just going into a coffee shop and yeah. getting it but that that was like a lot of our marketing was like really like nice looking like flat whites in our cup and I uh, was just, you know yourself, when the pandemic hit, everyone kind of uh, batting down the hatches and just kind of try to get by. And it, so it's taken a backseat from there. The annoying thing is we, we've made like a like a 200 cup order, like just as that happens. So yeah. we, we still have 200 cup trees lying about. Do you see any future for that, that venture? Are you still in contact with the charity or did you have to, did you have to cut ties with them? Uh, no, like that's all... I would say that relationship is still there. Mm. Uh, I think all the, the cups sold out in the coffee shops that we yeah. put them in. So we don't have, we haven't, to be honest, looked into it much. I don't know if coffee shops are taking reusable cups now. I don't think they are, but mm. that's that's like the main problem. But mm. we have 200 cups there, so we need to sell them at some stage. Yeah. So it probably will come back and who knows. Mm. It, could, it could kick off again mm. once this is all over. But I'm... I'm sure you would have you would have learned a lot from that initial venture into entrepreneurship because since then you've gone on to well, I suppose that segues on to what you're doing at the moment, Jamie, with the, the drive in theatre. So from that then uh it kind of like sparked my interest into entrepreneurship. And during the first lockdown, I actually drive in cinemas started popping up all over Dublin and me and my girlfriend Martha went to one of them. And when I was there I realized, I was like, this whole experience is amazing. Um, watching a movie from your car, tuning in on the radio. It's unbelievable. And when I was there, I kind of realized, hang on, a lot of the staff here are 
my age. These are young. These are like 20, 19, 18. And I kind of thought to myself, I could put something like this on. And I have, I had the space anyway from my dad. He runs an equestrian center and we have a car park that can fit around 50 cars in it. And I knew I had the space and I knew I kind of had the knowledge of, I mean, making a business and marketing from Cup Tree, the experience I learned with Ollie. So I kind of just decided after that drive in cinema the next day, I did lots of research into where to hire the screen and how much it's going to cost. I started ringing people. Mm. And for staff, I kind of just got my friends involved. Yeah. Like at the weekend, it was just myself and all of my friends. We were having the crack and it was really busy. We sold it every single screening. And oh. like we made... Yeah, like it was so fun. It was a great crack. And yeah, it sounds like a lot of it sounds like a lot of work. From I, I actually watched the TikTok you guys made, which I thought was great. A great sort of point of view of how it all works. From arriving, ordering food. I see you have like an app where that everyone uses to order food, which is really really clever. Um, and my question would be with with the movies is it really hard to get rights for all these movies or does it is it pretty straightforward yeah so i found out pretty quickly that um you have to actually pay for licensing for the films mm. and which is quite expensive um per movie the the minimum there's a minimum guarantee you have to pay per licensing uh it's actually 250 euro and um, that's the minimum you pay it's either you pay the minimum or you pay 30 percent of your total ticket sales um, you can get away with just paying the minimum. But at the very beginning, I didn't know this. And I just went ahead, downloaded the movies from iTunes, um, showed, and well, my plan was to show the films from my laptop. And I thought that was it. I thought there was no licensing or anything because you can't really find this stuff online. No, no one comes to you and tells you. Even doing research, it's very hard to find what sort of licensing or permissions you need. Um, anyway, it was about a week before I was going to go ahead with my first ever screening about last year. And I get an email from this company, this licensing company um, that handle all the licensings for films in Ireland, for the cinemas, for events, for drive-in cinemas now. And they came to me and said, you need to pay for these license licenses or else you can't go ahead. Mm -hmm. And at the, at the beginning, I was really standoffish with them because their website was so outdated and it wasn't professional at all. I was like, this is probably some sort of joke. Like, this this can't be right. Like, um, it didn't look that legit. So I kind of held off it for a while. But um, eventually down the line, they they knew they had to kind of remake their website and stuff. So they, they redid it. They kind of rebranded and they rebranded to suit driving cinemas a lot more. Um, so I think it was like a week after, after I'd done the first screening, I paid them then eventually. Um, but yeah, you just need to pay license. Every every single time you need to show, you show a movie, you need to pay for licensing. Right. But yeah, so maybe initially when you first started, it wouldn't have, it would, it would have been, you would have been maybe in a bit of a, to two different mindsets about whether it's just a thing you'll do for maybe one weekend and then and then that's it because i don't think anyone knew how long the pandemic is going to go on for 
or how much demand there was for drive-in cinemas. Um, but it's great that you've been able to keep going with it because I know I, I remember talking, I was talking to you, Ollie, anyway, but initially that you weren't sure if you were going to be able to sustain it. Yeah, um, even now, to be honest, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether there is a market for driving cinemas after mm. the pandemic. It's working so well now because there's no events on or nothing else is opened. And this is just uh, a thing for people to do at the moment. Mm. Um, it's it's a source of entertainment for people when people really need it. Um, I definitely do want to run in the future when stuff opens back up again and to see if there is a market for it. But it'll be interesting mm. to see if it'll work. Um, yeah. that's, the, that's the risk, I suppose. I'm definitely going to go ahead, but who knows if it will be sustainable and actually work in the future. I suppose the thing with driving cinemas is always a novelty the first time you go yeah. to see how it all works. It's just whether that novelty... Well, you've had returning customers, but yeah, it's, one, yeah. it's whether that will continue mm. when normal cinemas open, when there's other stuff to be doing. But I, mm. I think it's... Mm. What Jamie's running, like it's not just a driving cinema. There's loads of like, he always goes the extra mile with the likes of the food. It's very well run. Like it's yeah. it's run like clockwork. I I I can imagine people that attend it are like, this is very well run. By the time you get in, you're parked up straight away. You tuned in. You want food. You get it here. You get it ordered five minutes from the comfort of your own car. And then at Halloween and Christmas, do you want to mm-hmm. say what else? Yeah. So. Before running, before opening the drive-in cinema, I wanted to kind of stand out from the rest because there were a few pop-up cinemas opening, um, pop drive-in cinemas opening. So one of the things I did was actually at Halloween, I bought this massive gazebo. Um, it was like 12 meters long. And I put smoke machines in it, strobe lights, uh, decorated it with like kind of scary decorations, fake cobwebs, that sort of thing. And had Ollie and... Yeah, I was dressed as a clown. And Danny, <laughs> uh, Jamie's friends, they were like dressed as this yeah. like scary uh, man with like nails in his in his in his head, <laughs> just really creepy costumes. Yeah. And I'd have them, a couple of guys in the gazebo. And before actually parking up and tuning into your radio and watching the movie, I'd have the cars drive through this gazebo, full of smog and decorations, and have the two guys in there just scare the absolute. Yeah. It's we were scared. Like the these people were screaming. <laughs> That just should, like, Jamie didn't have to do that. The people were coming in to see the movie anyway, but that's just another... That This extra experience will get people talking and mm-hmm. will actually get people coming back. Likewise, yeah. at, at Christmas, um, I had a Santa, like a, a Santa interaction where before the movie started, I'd have Santa come up onto the stage. There's like a small platform just in front of the screen. He would come up on this platform and start ringing this bell, this massive old school mm-hmm. bell. That you'd seen like primary schools, um, when when lunchtime is yeah. around the corner. We had one. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, mm-hmm. Everyone's had one, but um, he'd be ringing this bell, and then behind him, like as a backdrop, it'd say "Beep for Santa," and then all the cars would just go crazy. All the kids in the car start beeping the horn, and it just created this atmosphere that people want to return to. It gets mm-hmm. people coming back. Yeah. And and you had a big you had like a fifteen foot Christmas tree. Christmas yeah, I I, de- I decorate the place completely with uh, inflatables, lights, and yeah, I I always want to go with the extra mile. Yeah, fair play because yeah, as you said, people might only expect to be going and watching a movie and maybe having the 
popcorn and stuff like that but if you can incorporate other things into it then that makes it all more worthwhile and as you said it'll get people talking about it and hopefully come back in the future but yeah while there's still demand for it keep going because it's a really good it's a, it's a really good idea and uh and a great experience i'm sure you've learned a lot from it uh yeah i've learned so much like even at the beginning of um at the very start last year, um, when I was on the phone to the screen hire company, um, I was on the phone talking about big money, about renting out the screen. Um, he he was kind of offering me one price, and I was haggling down the huge amounts of money that one I didn't have at the time, and I I never kind of talked about this much money before. So even just like kind of haggling with him over the phone trying to get the price down was huge experience um and talk like kind of doing partnerships with or even emailing tato for example mm. or kyo's crisps down the road and um, they're very local to here in uh ashburn they're just down in old town um talking to them and getting them to supply us with popcorn uh, making all these partnerships was huge experience for me And yeah, for people that people that don't know, Ashburn is in the county of Meath, which is where the lads are joining me from. And you're talking about where the, the drive-in theater is. It's actually on site where you guys are, are living, which... Yeah, it's just out it's the window just, for me now. Yeah, it's just out the window. <laughs> the so, so you have the car park, then you have the equestrian center, the house where you're in, and then the, the, famous, the famous tennis court, which a lot of people have seen. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, if you, I'll just explain that reference. People aren't aware. At just when I moved in here, me and Jamie were just full of beans, and uh, just we were real hyper. And we actually started. There's a tennis court. There's a Jamie's un- auntie and uncle own a B&B, which is mm. on this kind of site. And there's a tennis court. And Sam knows well. I. We played a lot of tennis growing up, not a lot, a bit like some a bit in the summer. And when I saw the tennis court was there, I was like brilliant. Uh mm. play a bit of that. So we started playing and one day I was like, Oh, I'll just bring out the GoPro, film a few clips. And then I I put I put a few clips on my Instagram story and tagged Roger Feather. I said it was Jamie who's playing against me. It was like actually a decent point. Yeah. It was a, like a trick shot or something. And I said, Jamie Duff's, a.k.a. Roger Feder, And then Jamie was like, why don't we trick our Instagram followers into thinking Feder replies to our story? Mm. And it all escalated from there. Yeah, um, we're not even going to talk. You've, you've, you've talked about it in many interviews. <laughs> what I would say to people is go and watch the video that you guys made on your joint YouTube channel. I think it's easy to find. You wouldn't have to go to anyone's Instagram. No, nah, it's just, nah. if you look up, Jamie and Ali, it should come up, or else just type Roger Roger Federer Ireland. Yeah, if you type in Jamie and Ali on YouTube, the lads come up, or Jamie Oliver comes up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, one of my friends um, would suggested that we name the channel not Jamie Oliver, <laughs> which would have been a great one actually. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the last couple of days I've been listening back. To, I uh, as I said, I watched the video again. And I was listening to a few of the interviews. Those that are still available, I know that uh, Today FM took theirs down, um, controversially. 
but uh, I would listen to a few of the interviews. And uh, my first question would be, so hopefully now everyone who hasn't seen the video has watched the video and understands what we're talking about, unless you're hiding under a rock. Well, in short, we just pranked, we pranked our Instagram followers into thinking Roger Federer replied. We photoshopped him replying, and then we got an impersonator to do an impression of him sending a voice message, which went quite viral. Lots of news publications wrote articles on it, and then we even got on some national radio stations. Mm. So we just pranked loads of people, and then we, we came out with this reveal video that explains everything. That was very brief. Yeah, very nice brief. and well done, Ali. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. I was going to just say, yeah, explain it in 30 seconds, but that was even less. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I guess the motto of the whole, the whole prank or experiment was to just emphasize the, that you shouldn't believe everything you see on the internet. Which I you meant you guys were talk you mentioned Zach and Jay earlier, like YouTubers like that and Josh mm-hmm. Peters and and uh, what's his name Archie Archie Man Archie Manners they yeah they do a lot yeah. of content like he that. actually saw the video I sent it to him Who? I sent it to Archie guy and he saw he said it was Did a great video no way yeah that's nice he's good <laughs> yeah. he's, I really like him. I really like him um uh they did yeah like they did something again recently before the Meghan and Harry interview where they just exposed uh, loads of journalists yeah. who hadn't seen the video. That would have been, those guys would have kind of inspired us, yeah. inspired mm. us a lot uh, mm. to do something silly like that. Mm. And it never really had been done in Ireland either. So that's why it, never. Was, it was quite a, quite a big thing. Mm. My first, I guess we're going to reflect on, on. Quite quickly reflect on the whole thing. And uh, it's, yeah, so it's, it's around three months ago now, which is crazy. It was beginning of February; it all sort of kicked off. And from my point of view, it's funny. Like I, I obviously fell for it, like everyone else. But then you guys told me you lured me in, and then you told me over the phone that it was fake about a week before everyone else found out it was fake. So I kind of <laughs> had to, I had to play along, which was fun. I, I kind of had to that. play it. I had to, yeah, you should have, because that, that was really funny. I had to play along for about a week. Yeah, it was. A couple of people messaged me asking <laughs> if you needed tennis coaches and stuff, and which is really funny. Uh, <laughs> and, we got uh, loads of that, loads oh, of that. So we must have got like five or six oh emails about that. E- even students coming saying, oh, I study event management. Could I mm. uh, manage the whole event with you guys and Roger Federer? <laughs> <laughs> like crazy requests. What are your reflections on the whole thing? I mean, the whole, I mean, for the two weeks, it was just great. Like, I actually can't describe the feeling. It was just constant excitement and mm. adrenaline for the whole two or three weeks that the, it was going on for. Mm. Um, and actually, it's funny to look back at now and think that at the very beginning, we were worried about how big it was going to get and mm. that it could affect, like, people might get really upset about it or we might mm. get in trouble. Um, mm. But looking back at it now, like, there was kind mm. of no possible way yeah we would have gotten in trouble like it, it's just a lighthearted joke um well it's funny at the time that was the biggest thing in my life obviously yeah. at the time it's massive but yeah now i look i look back at it and it's just like it's just another news story yeah, at the end yeah. of the day like it, it, yeah. news comes and goes but i still i i still like look back and i'm just like how do we pull that mm. off like it's mm. mental and it's a story we'll definitely tell oh, like yeah. till we die like it's a great story oh yeah for sure do you guys have a, from those, I suppose it was over the course of two week period, do you have a favorite moment, favorite interview or 
Anything that really stands um, out? I think a couple of my favorite moments were, I think, the interviews. Mm. One of them was when Spin1038 interviewed us. We were sitting right here, just mm. behind us. Um, and the moment they challenged us to a game of doubles, Graham mm. and Nathan, the hosts mm. of uh, The Morning Show on Spin, that was just unbelievable. And the feeling after we hung up the phone, me and Ollie just were ecstatic. Like we were jumping That's in the video. Around. That's in the video, um, which people would, would see. That's in the that video, yeah, that, that exact moment. And then uh, another great moment, I suppose, um, was when, for some reason, so in Today FM interviewed us as well, and they needed to interview us on two separate phones. That was the only time you do that. That was the only, yeah, yeah. We had to go on strange. two separate phones. So, yeah, we, we had a great idea to uh, just go in two separate cars so the sound would be all right. <laughs> Ollie hopped in uh, this old green jeep that yep. we only use around the the farm here and i helped in my car and we were kind of like looking at each other while the interview was live it was live on air in front yeah, of probably like a hundred thousand people yeah. it was mm. crazy but we were just like smirking and smiling and laughing on the phone because yeah. we could hear each other on the radio through the phone but in separate cars it was just a funny <laughs> it was a great moment yeah. like it was just mm. brilliant and by then we were we had done probably five or six interviews so we were really comfortable yeah, yeah. we were yeah. kind of just it was like we, reciting a story yeah we, we were just as if we learned off script we yeah. knew exactly what to say when to come in yeah. who was going to say what but that was that was the peak to be honest yeah. That was mm. kind of the end as well. Today FM, it wasn't going to get any bigger than that. Mm. But yeah, it was cool, very cool. Especially that Dermot and Dave show is probably the most popular show on on Today FM, and they're great. They're really they're funny lads. Um, but I really like Graham and Nathan. Well, they they brought the energy. Oh which, yeah. yeah, their yeah. their energy kind of helped us massively. They brought us up as well. And we have a lot to thank them for because they took on the story and. They were really enthusiastic about it, yeah. like so. Mm. And then they even made a joke out of it when they found out it was a prank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're top lads, and hopefully we're still going to make the doubles match happen soon if we can. We think the possibility of Roger getting a contact is probably slim to none. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the closest we got was uh, we made like a donation to the charity, mm. uh, his foundation, just uh, for the video, and as kind of a thank you because it was an amazing experience and. Yeah. Uh, they they sent my house in Sligo, which that was on the that was on my address for when I made the donation. They sent us like a a booklet saying like thanks and like information about the foundation. And I think it was signed by his mother, who like runs the foundation. So <laughs> that's the closest we're gonna get. <laughs> but we, we we says to this day, we think we think he he did see it at the time. Yeah, he he's he seen our faces. Yeah, we're, we're pretty I, sure. Yeah. Yeah, because at a time, if you just looked up Roger Federer into Google, it was it was mm. myself and Ollie. It was our faces all over Google. Yeah, no matter no matter who you are, no matter if you're Roger Federer, the most yeah. famous tennis player in the world, if your name is coming up in news articles, at least ten news articles, at least twenty news articles yeah. actually, so they're gonna know about it. Yeah. His management are gonna know about it. So he has. Seen and it, he would. Sure he would. And as we know, he wasn't playing. That was around the time of the Australian Open, and he wasn't playing in the tournament or stuck in that hotel like all the other players. So he might have had time in his hands, and That's you what never know. Saying, One of his mates definitely sent it to him on WhatsApp. <laughs> the last thing that people wouldn't know that I think ended the whole those couple of weeks with the Federer stuff was when you got a call from 
a, a, a mysterious man that you didn't know. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about and whether you'd like to explain that. Because I thought that was a nice yeah, way, so, to, to way to end the, end the whole thing. Yeah, actually, I forgot about that. Yeah, me too. Um, so this, yeah, it was kind of over at this stage. The whole, the, the roller coaster had been ridden. And we were just getting on with our normal life, doing uh, just normal, normal stuff. And we were going to Lidl through our weekly shop. And I just, I checked my... I got this message request on Facebook. I must have been checking Facebook for some reason. I saw a message request. It was from this guy called Billy Keane. And it said something like, Ollie, you are my hero. I loved what you did <laughs> with the prank. Uh, I used to do a few of them back in my day. Uh, I, think he said I, I think he said something like, I work for RT, get in contact. So I rang him straight away because we, like, we still wanted stuff to happen. And I rang him up, and really, really nice guy. Straight away, he's he's from uh, Kerry, and he's got a really thick Kerry accent. Because a lot of the time when we were doing interviews, it would just be like Dublin radio stations. So seeing this in like Kerry, I was like, oh, this is something different. And really nice guy. He's, he's called Billy Keane, and he's actually the son of John B. Keane, famous Irish playwright. And he runs John B. Keane's pub in Listowel, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And he works for he's on the Dahi O'Shea and Mara show on RT. It's like the Today Show or something. And he does this segment where he he looks at local Irish newspapers and talks about the stories. And we got in Sligo Weekender, um, our local newspaper in Sligo, and he saw that's where he found the story. So he found it from like traditional means, not from social media. Mm-hmm. And he got in contact and he wanted, he was, that's his thing. He does like a roundup of the newspapers and he was talking about the, the, the story, but he was on the phone to us saying like, we were saying, oh, we can come on the show. Like we wanted to, we wanted to get on TV, but, uh, he didn't, we didn't end up getting on TV, but he was like, once the lockdown's over, come down to, come down to the pub and we'll have him, we'll have a great night and all this. <laughs> like just a really, really nice guy. And it got on TV. And he didn't explain it like the best. <laughs> I don't think no, it, he really understood it. But uh, it's not like it's it, not everyone can really understand it. Like my granda, I'm sure dad tried to uh, tried to explain it to granda. He wouldn't have a clue. Mm. But uh, he kind of got the point across on TV. So we can actually say the story reached RT yeah, TV, which yeah. is another thing. And it was nice for the of course the local paper to get a nice shout out to what would be their demographic yeah. on a show like that um and uh, also you forgot to mention that this guy is also uh the great johnny sexton's godfather is that correct yeah yeah he is yeah yeah he, he was telling us on the phone about johnny because it was during the six nations actually mm. and he was saying that he played some sort of prank on johnny sexton yeah, yeah. it's just like he, he, he's a great crack like he's a proper character telling mm. us all this stuff but yeah that's another Another interesting fact about this mysterious Billy Keane man, but hopefully I'm I'd love to get I'd love uh, to meet him. Hopefully we get to go down have to a Kerry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That'd be so get fun. down to get down to Kerry. Kerry's I want to go to Kerry again. Now that I'm older and yeah, I've heard how beautiful it is. Um but that sort of brings to a close the the whole saga or saga not as you said, roller coaster. So I think that's all uh for today but uh 
before we go thanks again lads for coming on and yeah it's been fun thanks for having us it's thanks been good fun. it's been good thanks for us, cheers good stuff nice one well there you have it folks I hope you enjoyed uh, that chat with Ollie and Jamie thanks again to them for coming on as you can see two very talented lads very driven very ambitious I'm sure they both have very bright futures ahead I am very biased of course but never mind that if you want to keep up to date with them and what they're doing uh, you can find Ollie on Instagram at the Ollie White Ollie also does a radio show which we didn't get to touch on today it's called Nightcap and you can listen to it every Friday at the moment every Friday at 8 o'clock live on the Mixcloud app two hours of great music so I'd highly recommend that then Jamie is at Jamie underscore Duff underscore and if you want to find out more about the drive-in theater you can do at Broad Meadow Movies and if you want to check out the Roger Federer video just search Jamie and Ollie on YouTube and it should come up hopefully I can have them on again in some shape or form because we didn't even get to talk about Vietnam they briefly touched on it but they have plenty more stories to tell don't forget to follow uh, the Sam I Am podcast on Spotify subscribe on Apple Podcasts rate and review all that good stuff and you can find me on Instagram at Sam White that's white with three eyes any feedback is much appreciated hope you have enjoyed it hopefully the show will just continue to improve with each episode and we'll hopefully start adding new and recurring segments as we go thanks again for listening take care and see you next week all being well cheers folks yeah.